Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. The following contains explicit content from the off. We managed to finish nine, a plus of an ounce low in the best league in the world. This place is a fortress and it's still fucking rock and roll. Welcome to Brentford Football Club. Location, a bus stop in Hounslow, West London. Nicknamed the Bees, budget small. By Premier League standards, Brentford's a modest club. It's located right next to Twickenham, which is the home of rugby. Its stadium, the GTEC Brentford Community Stadium, succinct, sits right by the busy main road into West London, surrounded by tall corporate buildings on one side and the River Thames on the other. It's commonly referred to as the Lego Stadium, thanks to its seats, which are coloured red, yellow, white and black, and scattered around in no discernible order. Much like the box of plastic bricks you probably grew up with. But what it does have is charm, and if you could finance a football team on that alone, well Brentford would beat champions Manchester City with ease. Not that it matters, they did the double over Manchester City in the 2022-23 season regardless. And in the nicest possible way, a club of this stature shouldn't really be here. Here, being ninth in the Premier League, finishing as the top team in West London. And it's not me saying that, it's manager Thomas Frank. It should be impossible to compete against Chelsea that splashed 600 million into transfer windows. But we managed this. Their wage bill is just 14% that of Manchester United's, the highest in the league. And they've beaten all of the top six over the last two seasons, despite being in the fourth tier just 15 years ago. So how did a club of this size get into the top 10 of the toughest league in the world in just their second season of Premier League existence? Do you know what? I don't know if I should say this, but what's weird is I didn't even realise that Brentford had a football club until I was like 14. <laughs> That's how bad it is. I'm your host, Jay Harris, and I'm going to tell you how this club went from near obscurity at the turn of the century to a club everyone has their eye on, using data, innovation, and no big corporate or nation backing this is Access All Areas Brentford, Episode 1, a bus stop in Hounslow. Before we dive in, you're probably wondering about this bus stop in Hounslow business. 
That's what rival fans used to chant at Brentford fans to belittle the club, but it's now become a badge of honour. Despite their humble background, Brentford have big ambitions. There's more to Brentford than a bus stop, as we'll find out. In 1993, after the Premier League's inaugural season, Brentford were relegated into the third flight of English football. In 1998, they dropped down into the fourth. At the start of every season, there's no certainty where you'll finish thanks to the jeopardy of the football pyramid. For example, Leicester City won the Premier League title in 2015-16 and the FA Cup in 2020-21. Yeah, they got relegated last season and they'll be in the Championship next season. And with that, Brentford has known times when it wasn't certain that the club would survive. Here's Chief Executive John Varney on the state of the club in the early noughties. If it wasn't for the fan groups, then the club wouldn't be here today. You know, it was really on the brink that they pulled together. They shook the buckets, collected the money, kept the club going until Matthew came along um, to, to take the club on to the next level. That Matthew, by the way, is owner Matthew Benham, who I will tell you about shortly. But our story doesn't begin there with the bucket collectors. We're going to skip ahead a bit and begin at a church in West London in June 2012. To help me tell the story is Mr. Brentford. Um, that's not actually his real name. Okay, well, my name's Peter Gillam. I'm now a club ambassador. I've been supporting the club this year will be for 70 years. I'm the longest serving PA announcer in the UK. In his goodbye to the club in 2023, Captain Pontus Janssen said, So Peter, Peter, you made, you made me realise what this club meant. The passion I got for this club, it came from you. You have been my inspiration. And in my eyes, you know that you are Mr Brentford. Peter's the guy. So, back to the church. Matthew Benham becomes majority shareholder on June 18th, 2012. Please put your hands together for the best owner in the world, Matthew Benham. According to Peter, Benham is the saviour for Brentford Football Club. Here's how his colleagues at Brentford describe him. The first time I went into the office and saw this guy in the corner, I mean, it could have been the cleaner, you know, just ill-fitting t-shirt and jeans and messy hair. Unbelievable owner uh, who provides unbelievable stability for the football club. Matthew is one of the smartest guys you'll meet. Genius. Probably in contention for one of the best owners in football, in my opinion. He's very, very good at putting the pieces of the puzzle together in order for that vision to come to light. I get uh, excited by discussions with Matthew because he's got a lot of knowledge around sport in general. Benham made his money from companies called Smart Odds and Matchbook. In short, he's made it from betting. Here's Benham's lawyer and Brentford board member Nitty Raj to explain how it all works. So Smart Odds is a sports research company uh, which Matthew set up in order to be able to predict the outcome of sports slightly better than the market does. But at its core, it's really just making the maths work to achieve the outcome of the client. And uh, for sports gamblers, that is so that they can beat the market. And it turned out that the shavings from that sculpture that you were throwing away on the floor could be repurposed to help run a football club. 
Right now, if you follow football, you're probably thinking about Brentford's talisman, Ivan Tony, who was banned in May 2023 from playing football for eight months for breaching the FA's betting rules 232 times. These rules stipulate players and staff at clubs in England cannot bet on any football match taking place anywhere in the world. They're banned from betting on other football-related matters too, including transfers and managers being hired or sacked, while you can also get in trouble for passing on information to other people. The rules exist to protect the game's integrity and avoid accusations of match-fixing. Tony won't be allowed to play again until January. How did Brentford sit with an owner who's made his money from betting, have a different betting company on the front of their shirts, with a player who's been diagnosed with a gambling addiction? It's a good question and one we'll be asking later on in the series. So, when Benham takes over Brentford, they're in League One. Uwe Rosler was the first manager who changed the ethics of the football we played. Under the auspices of Matthew Ziona, changed our course of direction with regards to football, the quality of football. Uwe Rosler was when football for Bees fans changed totally. Brentford played at Griffin Park. The Bees had been there since 1904. Its capacity was 12,500. And for away fans, it was known for... Oh, what, the four, four pubs, yeah. That's the first thing people talk about, I suppose. A pub on each corner. Something truly unique in football. But that's not how the ground is remembered for home fans. It was a fortress, I'd say that. But it had character. It was a place that people called home. A place that um, people love and care about. It was a homely ground. Fantastic atmosphere. Albeit down from 38,000, which was capacity at one time, down to 12 and a half. If you just had an, an imagination of how you thought like a lower league uh, English football was, then you would just, that would be the perfect description of it, or that would be the perfect picture of it. Um, you, was, you were sat sideways with your knees because the seat in front of you were too close when you were sat in the stands. If you were a away team, you could not close the door uh, on the toilet if you were out uh, taking a dump. So, <laughs> you know, all these sort of things were just. Uh, crazy and we only had one toilet in our change room which was, which was a good changing room and it was just so small and tiny but everyone in the team loved playing there the pitch was always always good the atmosphere was always good it was always a sellout there's a, a bloke in front of me that would always be trying to find information he'd always know about the opposition manager and he'd be shouting all sorts of things about him but he really would have done his due diligence so he'd know about their family his brother sister wife some of them really reacted but it's kind of a bit of theater I loved it. It was football at its purest. Benham had been planning his takeover of Brentford for some time. In 2009, he wrote, I do believe I may be able to bring expertise to help the manager identify players of potential value to Brentford. <laughs> OK, that's probably not how he sounds. But Benham doesn't do many interviews, so we can't be sure. Although, it's probably more like this. I do believe I may be able to bring expertise to help the manager identify players or potential value to Brentford. And the aim? I am offering to invest substantial sums of money into the club in order to help Brentford to become a championship team. And I think that's, if, I, if I'm brutally honest, that's probably as, as far as I thought they, they may go. First step is to make it out of League One, the third tier, and they get their chance in Benham's first season as owner. April 27th, 2013. Brentford need a win against Doncaster Rovers to secure promotion. And in the final minute, they get a penalty. However, normal penalty taker Kevin O'Connor isn't standing over the ball. It's Marcelo Trotter, 
Former player Carly Osborne was watching on. I remember seeing it and I remember thinking, what is going on? Why is Kev not taking it? I remember it and I, yeah, I couldn't really believe it. Trotter's penalty crashes off the bar, Doncaster counter-attack and James Coppinger scores. Doncaster get promoted and crush Brentford's dreams. Coppinger's made it 1-0 at the other end. I don't believe what I've just witnessed. 2013 is also when Benham meets a man called Rasmus Ankerson. Ankerson is, according to his own website, a best-selling author and a trusted advisor to businesses around the world. More on him momentarily. In 2014, Matthew Benham acquires 100% of the club and manager Mark Warburton gets promotion to the championship. Achievement unlocked. At the same time, Benham also acquires Danish club FC Michelin and he sets up a knowledge sharing agreement between the two clubs. And heading it all up is one Rasmus Ankerson. That will be important later. The line trotted out is that Benham wanted Midtjylland to be a testing ground for his ideas on how a football club could be run. His exact words to Brentford supporters trust Bees United were, Their culture is a bit more open-minded. They have much less hierarchy or, or much, much flatter, so anyone can state their opinions, whereas there's elements of English football which are more like the 70s, know your place, that kind of thing. Look, it's worked. They've won the Danish Super League three times and got to the group stages of the Champions League. Fast forward to 2015, and Brentford finish in the Championship playoffs unexpectedly. The playoffs are another brilliant invention of English league football, which is code for, doesn't hugely make sense, but is great fun. If you don't finish in the automatic places, you get a second chance via the playoffs to go up to the next tier. They are pretty stressful, and something that Brentford are not historically any good at. Here's a dome, a great football from Middlesbrough, it should be the third and it is. What a fantastic goal. If you didn't think before that was it, it certainly is now. They go on to lose, but that's not actually the key thing that happens this year. Remember Rasmus Ankerson? He becomes Brentford's co-director of football with... I've got loads of crazy ideas, don't worry about that. Phil Giles, director of football, Brentford Football Club. This is how Phil's colleagues describe him. He's... Somebody I feel very proud to know. Without wanting to embarrass him, he's the best boss I've ever worked for because he's incredibly bright. Another genius. Uh, it's not nice being in a room with these guys. You know, you're always thinking, have I said that right? Or, uh, you know, he, he knows what I'm thinking before I do. They're a great team, Rasmus and Phil. As current manager, Thomas Frank says. I think the way him and uh, Phil complemented each other, I think the two of them and Matthew have been massive in the way they, they built the club. Uh, Rasmus Stefan is the one that's a little bit more outspoken, innovative, a little bit more wild, where uh, Phil is more calm guy with uh, good processes. Phil Giles was one of Benham's protégés at Smart Odds. So I applied for a job with him in 2007, got a job as one of the mathematicians, quantitative analysts, 2007, progressed from there to lead the team in 2010, and then 2015, having progressed sort of through that industry, um, he asked me to come here and, uh, and do this job with a guy called Rasmus Angerson. We worked together for six and a half years as co-directors of football and it was kind of a really good partnership because we both brought very different backgrounds but brought very different skill sets to the table. And what I brought in was outside experience. Their philosophy was if Brentford could not outspend their opponents, then they needed to outthink them. But first, they needed to set out their targets. Well, the, the short-term aim has always been to get promoted. Don't forget that when we came in in 2015, we just finished fifth in the championship, lost in the championship semi-finals to Middlesbrough. And Rasmus and I got announced 
literally the day after that that defeat, that semi-final defeat. In a dugout, it was goodbye to Mark Warburton, the man who'd got them to the playoffs, and hello to Marinus Diekhausen. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Dijk- Dijkhausen. Dijkhausen yeah. comes in. And no, just mentioned uh, Marinus Diekhausen then. Again, I, I think I'm saying his name incorrectly, but I'll go with it. Marinus Diekhausen. There you go. That's why you're the PA, not me. Look, leave me alone. It's a really difficult name. So when he left after nine games, what was going through your head? Were you thinking, was there even a part of you that was thinking a little bit worried here about the direction Brentford are going in or you just had ultimate faith it was going to get sorted? To be honest, I did worry. I think, I think a lot of people learned from that. I think Marina's probably learned from that whole experience coming into um, an English environment. Or maybe we brought in too many people at one time, but it wasn't change for the sake of change. It was, it was necessary to sort of um, deal with what we found at the time. So, Marina Starkusen. Last nine games is removed in September and Brentford finally finds their new man in November. One, Dean Smith. Dean has been absolute quality. His football was part of what Matthew would have wanted. He fitted the bill. It was perfect for Brentford and he proved to be successful. Did I think he would be the one to take us to the promised land? I can't say now that I did, but I had high hopes that we would get better and progress. The innovative thinking didn't stop with Rasmus and Phil though. 2016, the year of the B team. You might have heard of this if you've heard of Romeo Beckham. You know, David's son. That's his team now, Brentford B. It consists of young players aged between 18 and 21 that Brentford are developing for their first team. It was placed under the guidance of Robert Rowan, a man close to many at the club. He sadly passed away in his sleep in November 2018, aged just 28. I'll tell you his story in a later episode, but for now, Here's how Robert is remembered. The people who worked with him remember how kind of warm and friendly he was and how he went out his way to meet new staff, take him for dinner, integrate him in the area. And so we talk about you know, important culture, good culture, how do you create it? You create it by having people like Rob around, taking the time to make sure and, and, and look after it. B-team football is innovative, it's successful, but it was also controversial. More on that later. Into 2018, and Dean Smith, whose tidy football has caught the eye, is poached by Aston Villa. I've left a fantastic football club with a fantastic team who are going to be pushing and we need to go and push them because they'll be up there this season. His replacement is a bit of a surprise. Thomas Rank from Denmark, 49 years old and I'm the head coach of Brentford. It's assistant manager Thomas Frank, a former teacher who had coached Denmark's youth teams and spent three years with Danish side Bronby, but he was relatively unknown outside of his own country. Now Brentford were entrusting him with the responsibility of taking them to the next level. There's no better manager anywhere. He is absolute class. He's also a lot of fun. But that final whistle, I think that's the purest form for, what do you call it, enjoyment in your body. There must be... It's not happy. It's ecstasy? Yeah, I never tried that, so I don't know. But he's just level-headed, grounded individual. uh, And he's played a big part in, in obviously, Brentford taking the steps that we've taken over the last four years since I've been here. Humble, open-minded, and just a good guy. To have somebody who has both, that exceptional confidence and the ability to question themselves, to surround themselves with experts, to improve themselves, is extraordinary. 
He takes a bit of time to get going, winning just one of his first 10 games. I think Thomas had a really tough start when he first took over, but then after that something just clicked and something changed and he finished the season very strong. I remember the first day I took over or stood in front of the players uh, because I've been used to be a head coach all, all my life. In either it was four under eight in grassroot football in, in, in Frederiksberg, uh, where I came from in Denmark. It, it's like just two years stepping back, not being in front of them. Was, there was a little bit, ooh, a little bit, you know, butterflies and, uh, and you know, knew all the players. So I would say a tiny bit rusty uh, the first week and then boom, natural again. Move on to 2020 and yes, we've reached the pandemic years. Brentford missed out on automatic promotion to the Premier League by a couple of points, but they still had a chance to go up through the playoffs. Brentford reached the playoff final and they were up against local rivals Fulham. Getting promoted to the Premier League will earn clubs around £178 million, boost their global exposure and allow them to attract better players. It's been called the biggest financial prize in world football. For a club the size of Brentford, those sums of money are transformative. But overawed by the occasion, Brentford lost 2-1 to Fulham. It was horrendous. I mean, because it, it was an empty stadium. And it was almost worse not having 20,000 or 30,000 Rem supporters and 30,000 Fulham supporters and them celebrating us not. It was even worse because it was so hollow. You know, I remember sitting in the um, dugout and then just to our right with the Fulham people in the dugout and they were just celebrating it almost straight in our faces and it was absolutely horrendous. It's also the year they say goodbye to the ground they've played at for 116 years. It's probably difficult for people. They see pictures now of how Griffin Park was and it's being flattened. And they lose their BMW. That's side Ben Rama, Neil Mope and Ollie Watkins. Well, Mope was the year before technically. They were the club's best players, but they had to be sold to keep their ambitions going and to reinvest the money around the rest of the squad. When I said, look, we are one of the best teams in this division. We know there'll be one or two changes, not too many. We're not planning on ripping the squad apart. We go again in two weeks, crack on. In 2021, Brentford missed out on automatic promotion again, but they returned to the championship playoff final. They've been to the playoff finals nine times by this point and never been successful. Brentford were facing Swansea City. I actually felt really confident. And they got off to the perfect start with two early goals. Tony delivers again. A red card for their opponents. Owen oh, Jensen clearly fouled by Fulton and he is gone. I genuinely believe that everybody within this building felt we were going to do it. And really, the whole thing went quite swimmingly. I looked at Matthew, we're five minutes to go, we're 2-0 up, they're down to 10 men and I said to him, only we could screw it up from here. <laughs> and, and we got through it and honestly the celebrations were, were incredible. There's a new saying in a part of West London. Tenth time lucky. Are in the if you watch the video of Pontus Janssen lifting the trophy, you'll see another man next to him, not wearing a kit, just a simple white polo shirt. That's our guy Peter. And for Pontus to turn to me and say, you will lift a trophy with me, it just, I get emotional talking about it now. It was just an amazing moment. The fact that he could think that at that time, when it meant everything to him, and for me, Apart from when I got married to my second wife, it was the best day of my life. Something you work so hard 
for something over so many years. We had the biggest disappointment the year before, and you know you're you're standing there on the on the edge. Either you you <laughs> you drop down or you are or you're fine. Everything just came together. Brentford won two 0 and got to the Premier League, but that certainly wasn't going to be where they stopped. So you've beaten Swansea, you're preparing for the Premier League. Were you feeling confident that Brentford were going to stay up? And if so, what gave you that feeling of confidence? Uh, the answer is yes. So do you want a little bit more? Or? Yeah, uh, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> That's okay. We'll save that for the next show because with the promised land of the Premier League finally achieved, Brentford's reward is to form part of the curtain raiser by hosting London's most successful club, Arsenal. The first game of the season, stadium being full for the first time, fans are all back after COVID, live on Sky, worldwide audience, that was massive. I think Thomas mentioned that a couple of times, that um, around one billion people or something were watching that first game of the Premier League, but he presented us as, as, as we should enjoy it, this is what we've been dreaming of since we were four and we started playing. I think that the boys were such in a, such a good place, I have such a big belief in them that I actually would be disappointed if we didn't win the game. Okay, I need to pause the music because this story from Thomas Frank is just too good. I had to pick up my parents uh, from the airport. They were a little bit delayed. We were running a little bit late and I was just jogging off, throwing my parents off there. A cab arranged for them to come and all that. And then I was thinking, fucking hell, here I am. <laughs> I'm coming, arriving late to the first Premier League game uh, because I had to pick up my fucking sorry, my language and fucking parents. Uh, and uh, so I went into the back room and all the media in the world was there lining up and I was like, fuck, this is going to be impressive. And then we went out and beat Arsenal, huh? Easy. Oh, it's turned over the line by Norgaard. I just remember, of course, Mass throwing it and then me just taking a chance of where the ball should end. And then, uh, yeah, the takeoff hitting the ball with closed eyes and then just, you know, feeling the bus uh, is, is sort of a crazy feeling that you can't really describe, but it's, it's just pure happiness running through your, through your blood and through your body. So, yeah, this, this is those moments you'd cherish for life. And it was, uh, for everyone who wasn't connected with Arsenal, a joyous occasion, right? I mean, I mean, Thomas Frank was kissing children at the end and they were all <laughs> singing Hey Jude. And I'm thinking this is the worst thing I have ever watched next time on Accessible Areas Brentford. How do you recruit to face the top teams week in, week out? First of all, don't listen to outside noise. Why have Brentford become so known for bringing in top talent? I can't tell you that. And what are their next steps now that they are in the Premier League? For us, it was all about pin our ears back and just go as hard as we possibly could. Time to pin the ears back then and go for it. How, how do you actually pin your ears back? Access to Areas Brentford was hosted by me, Jay Harris. It was written by Jay Harris and Abby Patterson. It was produced by Abby Patterson with additional production from Max Davru and Jay Beal. It was an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.